So anyway, let's go meet our special guest writer, Rafi Zakaria. You know the drill. Strap in, because here we go. <laughs> so this tweet says, write a book that terrifies the powerful. And it has the covers of the, the UK and the US version of Against White Feminism. That got six comments, uh, 20 retweets, and 173 likes. So now this tweet, I wrote it on the 26th of September last year. There was not one or two, but but three different editorials that ran against this book in the British press. Wow. So uh, for starters, I'll just say that when I wrote Against White Feminism, it, this, is, this is the first line, first page of this book. I'm not talking about white women who are feminists, so it's right. not racially distinct. I'm I'm talking about whiteness. Yeah, it's not about the color of skin. It's about the perspective and what you choose to center. Right. And Joanna Smith, who wrote, I suppose you can call uh, her column a review uh, in The Times, (laughs) hadn't read this first line. You know, so the entire thrust of that article was kind of my lack of gratitude to her her generation of uh, of white women and how I was really only interested in helping the patriarchy because I was going to create racial division. That she didn't bother to read the book and uh, decided to write about it anyway. The second thing to remember was that all three of these women are trans-exclusionary radical feminists. I could see this very... Con- Started trolling effort coming after me, right? And I, I couldn't figure it out. Their whole agenda came from the the trans exclusionary agenda. But in the UK, this is this is the animating debate in feminism wow. is trans rights. And while I had known that, I hadn't known just how central it was. My book is not about trans liberation. I support right. trans liberation, but my book isn't about that. And so I was very surprised yeah. to get all of these questions and all of this hate on an issue that's not in the book, especially since it's a book that has many other very, very provocative statements in it. I expected people to be upset or annoyed. What really got me was... Right the fact that that they were not responding to the book. I was looking forward to having these exchanges with precisely such women. But one of the things that I've found with particularly the uh, trans-exclusionary feminists is that they they play dirty. Uh, you know, all the readers of the Times that read Joanna Smith in London don't go on to, you know, find the book, read it and compare the argument. Right. And maybe I'm, I, I might be like a little particularly riled up because I just finished listening to Ezra Klein interview mm. Michelle Goldberg, also from the another upper middle class white woman uh, right. who's sort of giving the prognosis on feminism. <laughs> maybe I'm, I'm a little more riled up than I would otherwise yeah. be because once again, the fact that we put women like her, like Pamela Paul, as like uh, the diagnosticians of post-Roe feminism is in itself such a problematic thing.
I'll read the tweet. So it's in response to a Baffler tweet that says, back in 2018, Rafia Zakaria wrote about the Caliphate podcast and how journalistic ethics go out of the window when Westerners cover the war on terror. The Times retracted huge portions of Caliphate's story today. Um, and then, you know, my response to it was, I did at the time the New York Times sent me and my editor nasty letters, but refused to take any internal actions. That's right. And in fact, let me send you another tweet that ties it directly into this. Yeah. So in this tweet, I actually um, just put up the letter that the New York Times sent me for criticizing the caliphate. The tweet or or their letter makes all sorts of allegations of um, uh, misstatements and errors on my part, none of which are listed. Just generalizations without any specific citing anything. That was fascinating the way the whole caliphate podcast just collapsed. So I'd love to hear like what that process was. I'll preface this by saying that, you know, I've been a columnist since 2010. And prior to that, of course, like I tried to practice law under this sort of war and terror shadow. And the Muslim communities were uh, demonized to such an extent that it was very, very difficult. Like everybody agreed on their demonization. But at that time, you couldn't even say that. It wasn't a very commodious uh, home for, uh, you know, Muslim American, Pakistani American uh, activist, lawyer, but it was a home. So I had had a background by then of almost a decade of working on these issues. So I was familiar with how this was playing out in Pakistan, you know, which is where the sort of quote-unquote star of the caliphate was from. And, you know, I decided to do a deep dive into this particular podcast because it represented this dramatization of the war on terror. Particularly interesting dramatization because it's produced by the New York Times. Right? I know. So, so what what I did was essentially write this article calling out the main uh, narrator. So Rukmini Kalimaki was the Times star correspondent on right. the war on terror. In this particular story, the Caliphate story, um, I learned that the, a lot of what she was using to sort of fuel this podcast was actually material that she had illegally seized simply because the Times team had been embedded in this former ISIS territory. Wow. But the main thrust, like if you ask me personally, that upset me and that I really thought that wasn't being pointed out was the particular dynamics of white women and brown men. Right. And this idea that, you know, white women were the ones that were going after these brown men and they were going to catch these terrorists. So, you know, you have the same thing in Zero Dark Thirty with Jessica Chastain. And I definitely saw like a repeat version of that playing out in the caliphate where it's like the first episode is Rukmini Kalimaki alone in her New Jersey condo. And she's been (laughs) trawling these uh, online you know, ISIS terrorist forums. And, um, you know, and and then all of a sudden she hears a knock on her door and she's afraid that I... So, you know, that whole dramatization, which people can go download Caliphate and listen to this. Yeah, preposterous. And 
It rang every bell for you as false. No, there were particular racial dynamics that were at play, but that no one was talking about because right. because this was about terror. It wasn't about race. By the time the caliphate came out, the lives of Muslim communities in in the Western world has have just completely been upended and shredded to bits. I'll be you know, really frank with you is I wrote I wrote that first article for the Baffler. I definitely did not expect to get a response or this kind of a nasty letter from the New York Times. Yeah, my editor had to spend they spent so much time responding right. to add even more to that. Right, uh, Brooke Mini had some of her friends call my editors and email my editors with the pretense of saying, okay, we want to interview you about this column of Rafia's that you ran. But really, they were trying to like fish and yes. get how much I knew about yeah. this. Yeah. Wow. I love this. I, I love your propensity <laughs> yeah, to but... sort of put words into the world that really upset the right people. Unexpectedly so. I grew up in Karachi, in okay. uh, Pakistan's the largest city. We had like one or two bombings every single day, and and so it 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 upset me because it was like this problem was being made into entertainment. This very weird uh, depiction of terrorists is like really stupid. It's a form of propaganda, but you don't expect the New York Times to produce propaganda. <laughs> You know, the, <laughs> the, the terrorists aren't looking out for this kind of stuff. Like, right. they're out killing people. More Twitterverse after the break. back to Twitterverse. I'm going to DM another tweet. <laughs> switching gears? <laughs> that is really switching gears. So this tweet is uh, from last year and uh, it says my twin brother has been awarded physician of the year. He has cared for thousands of COVID patients, risking his own life and even sequestering from his family at times. And this received 38 replies, 40 retweets, and 1,010 likes. And I must confess, I did not know that that was your twin brother until I read that tweet. <laughs> yeah. My twin brother, he's in California, and yeah. he was given Physician of the Year. And we were laughing about it because, of course, it's just a plaque, but sure. he is still seeing uh, so many COVID infections. And now right. uh, he's also seeing monkeypox infections. Can uh, you tell you know, me, based on communicate you've had with him, what is the real status of things? Yeah. So first of all, I'll say his name is uh, Ali Reza. I, I don't usually talk <laughs> talk about him. Uh -huh. And of course, I mean, you know, it relates to everything that we've been talking about in the war on terror. He was subjected to that kind of scrutiny and he was subjected to that kind of prejudice, even though he was here in the United States, but he was profiled all the time. Right. How he perceived the war on terror was an, is an important part of 
my own understanding of the war on terror. But here, the issue was that people like my brother were the front lines of diagnosing COVID. Nobody knew anything, but they, of course, had to go out and try to take care of these people who were being infected. When you're a twin, it's having to go out there. Right. You don't feel safe at any time. I think it gave me a different different experience of COVID. And and such an important one. I mean, they really were uh, the heroes on the front lines. And without a question, the health professionals will be suffering from PTSD from that experience for the rest of their life. Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't agree with you more. They're also suffering from uh, severe staffing shortages because... A lot of doctors are quitting. A lot of nurses are are quitting. And at this point, uh, the U.S. doesn't really have an incentive or plan that's being created. This is great, (laughs) if I say so myself. I think it is great. I'll say so, too. So this tweet is from last fall, and it says, Behold, white feminist industrial complex. I don't remember her saying a word when Afghan children were being bombed for 20 years. It's a, a BBC quote of Angelina Jolie. Yes. People of Afghanistan are losing their ability to communicate on social media and to express themselves freely. So I've come on Instagram to share their stories. The old white savior thing, right? Precisely. Yeah. Uh, it's the white savior industrial complex, but it's also the American sort of denial machine. People listening to this podcast take one thing yeah. away from it. I would really say that the way Americans have forgotten about Afghanistan after bombing it for 20 years is the biggest tragedy that has unfolded on this earth other than the pandemic. But it's also sort of a, a comment on the, the celebratification of of rights and rights discourse. From 2009 to 2015, I served on the board of Amnesty International. We do advocacy for people, obviously, who cannot advocate. There's this constant pressure to sort of include celebrities so that people will pay attention. Yes, I mean, in the near term, Angelina Jolie will say this or put it on her Instagram and more people will pay attention to her and to Afghanistan. But, you know, I mean, the larger situation is a trivialization of what is happening in Afghanistan and more, most importantly, uh, U.S. complicity right. in what's happening. You're right. not saying who the bombers are. Right. I mean, these kids are being bombed, but the same people who are giving money to save those kids are the people whose taxes are being used to bomb them. Could you put that on your Instagram, please? <laughs> exactly. There is this sort of cavalier kind of attitude with, okay, well, I shared it. There's a, a sort of commodity level value to putting something like this on your feed because then you're sort of professing a more worldly, like engaged, empathetic self-branding. Yeah, or doing the uh, blackout on the Instagram, something that doesn't really amount to much. But everybody can feel good about it and like each other's thing. 
It's pretty weird. I worked, for instance, on Nepal, mm -hmm. where there is an entire industry around tourists who want to come and uh, see orphanages. Uh, the The kids aren't really orphans, right. but the the parents sort of rent them out to the to to play orphans so that when these white tourists come and they want to help them, they can sort of get this very particular emotional experience. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you can Google it. I mean, it's in Nepal. Um, there were some studies done in South Africa where there was AIDS tourism around this, around AIDS orphans. It creates an industry because white people want to consume or sort of advertise their empathy as a kind of brand. Listen, it was like a real honor and a pleasure to talk with you today. And I'm so grateful to you for taking the time. <laughs> no, like, no. Thank truly. you so much. This was a very great conversation. And it's going to make me more circumspect, perhaps, of, of my tweets <laughs> that I have been. <laughs> So that was amazing, right? Rafia Zakaria. I love that conversation. I had it so much fun. And I'm so grateful to her for taking the time, and being so real and so candid about everything. And if it's not clear by now, she is definitely not the person to be messing with. Now, I highly recommend you go follow her on Twitter. Her handle is at Rafia Zakaria. I'll spell it out for you. R-A-F-I-A-Z-A-K-A-R-I-A. You should also go follow her on Instagram. She's great over there, too. And that is just her full name plus the word feminist. So it's at Rafia Zakaria Feminist. And come say hi on Twitter. I'm at Gabe Hudson. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at, at Gabe G. Hudson. The G stands for George because that's my middle name and you didn't know that. Anyway, keep it real on the timeline. Keep those tweets 100 and I'll see you next week.